book of John. Won't you, John chapter 1, we continue a study. Uh, we started last week in the book of John. John chapter 1, we'll begin to read this morning in verse number 6. And on this Father's Day, I want to speak on this subject this morning. A real man of God. A real man of God. John chapter 1, and we'll begin to read in verse number 6. I'll invite those that can and are able to stand with me this morning in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in John chapter 1, begin to read in verse number 6. The Bible says these words, There was a man sent from God whose name uh, was John. Now this is not John that's writing the book, but this is John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, this is Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, and who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, and the Word God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. And these things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Let's pray together. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move about this place today, O oh God, and do the job that only He can do, and that is to convict of sin, Christ's righteousness, judgment that will come against all people who refuse the light of Christ to turn from their sin and receive Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, I pray as we come to a time of invitation, those who have never been saved will do so today. They'll turn and receive Christ. And God, I pray you'll challenge today everyone who's in this room, not, not only men, but men and women alike, that God will have this kind of conviction and surrender and God impact upon our generation like John did. So many wonderful truths, so many wonderful things you did in his life. God, I pray you'll speak through your word today and your will be accomplished as we bow our knee 
to Christ's lordship and whatever it is you call us to do today. Have your way now. We'll give you thanks for what we trust you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And I'll invite you uh, to be seated. The last chapter of the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, uh, says these words in chapter 4, begin to read in verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. But you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, and that's the S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Now listen. God says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. God spoke those words through the prophet Malachi, and then for 400 years there was radio silence. Not one single prophetic word did God speak through a prophet for over 400 years after those last words of Malachi were written. And then one day, a 30-year-old man in the wilderness began to speak boldly on God's behalf 400 years later. And that man was John the Baptist. Uh, that's who we know him as. It helps us differentiate him uh, from John the Beloved. And, friend, there's some things in John's life that just absolutely amaze me. Two of my most favorite individuals in the Bible are Elijah and John the Baptist. The impact, the zeal, the conviction, the boldness that they had. Friend, listen, they represent some tenets that all men in Christ really need to have, all people. But I'll tell you one of the things that's really lacking in the church, not just Greenwood, but all churches in the world. We need some godly men like John the Baptist who will stand up in the, their generation and that let, let their light shine. Let their life count. Just with boldness, right is right and wrong is wrong and just be all in for the Lord Jesus Christ until we step into his presence. I want you to notice seven truths this morning about the life of John the Baptist. And I pray God will speak to your heart in several ways this morning. One, if you've never been saved, I pray you'll see the need to be saved, that the Holy Spirit will draw you and you'll turn and trust Christ today. But I pray men who've been saved, you'll, you'll really take inventory. And you'll look in your life and say, you know, or, or, is my life marked by the, by, by the things that mark this man that God used so powerfully to make an impact on the kingdom uh, of God? First off this morning, I want you to notice the man. The man. Who are, we, who are we talking about? Well, verse number 6 of John chapter 1 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The other Gospels give us a little more detail uh, into the backstory of John, who he, who he was. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 5 says his parents were Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, they were living during the time of Herod's reign. Friend, listen, this was a difficult time for the nation of Israel. It was a difficult time for those that loved the Lord, that loved righteousness. It was a difficult time to stand for God. But these individuals, you know, they didn't just sit around and complain about 
who the leader was of their country at the time, how negative things were. It was what it was, and they saw that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And they did that every single day. They were faithful despite everything that was going on. Luke chapter 1, verse 6 says they had solid testimonies. They, they were blameless. They weren't sinless, but they were blameless. They, they didn't have reoccurring premeditated sin just day in and day out. They walked blameless before their generation. But Luke chapter 1, verse 7 says that uh, Zacharias' wife, John's mo mother, Elizabeth, she was barren. Uh, they were, the Bible says, well advanced in years. That means that things reproductively in their, their bodies didn't work the way they used to when they were younger. And so they weren't able to have children. But there Zacharias was. It was his time to serve. He was a priest, Luke chapter 1, verse 9. And he was faithfully serving, just doing what God had called him to do. And it's just another reminder again, friend, there's so many in Scripture. God uses people who are already serving. God does things through people who are already using what light and what opportunity they have. And so there Zacharias was faithfully serving. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 says, An angel appears to him and says, Hey, God's about to do something. Um, he's going to touch your body and your wife's body. You're going to have a son, verse number 13 of Luke chapter 1. And, and you're going to name him John. Luke chapter 1, verse 14, he's going to bring joy and he's going to bring gladness, something that was desperately needed in the dark and barren time in which they were living. Luke chapter 1, verse 15 says that he was going to be a lifelong Nazarite. Uh, remember that Numbers chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 21 detail what the life of a Nazarite was to be. Summed up as this, friend, their life was to be totally consecrated to the service of God. We only see in Scripture three lifelong uh, calls to be a Nazarite. One was Samson, he failed. Samuel was the other, and John the Baptist uh, was uh, the third. Uh, verse 17 of Luke chapter 1 says that the spirit and power of Elijah would rest upon him. The power of that God did through him and in spite of him. That means he would be totally devoted to God, and God would do great and mighty things through his life. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 4 tells us something about John, his humility. He wore, he wore camel hair and just had a simple leather belt around him. He wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. He tried to point people to Jesus. And so his life was marked by humility. Uh, the Bible says uh, also in Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, uh, that he had a simple diet, locusts and wild honey. Uh, and I've heard people say, well, they went to the Holy Land and somebody told them that these really weren't locusts, they were locust pods. No, friend, literally translate, they were the bugs. Uh, Leviticus 11, verse 22 says those were, those were bugs that were clean for the people to eat. It was a source of protein. Things get tougher, we may be eating locusts uh, and wild honey uh, in these days. God will take care of us, though. Uh, so this was just, he was a simple individual. He was, his life was marked by humility. It was marked by simplicity. He trusted God to meet his needs, not give him his greeds, so that he could fulfill the purpose that he had in his life, what God had called him to do. Luke chapter 1, verse 15 says, he would be filled with the Spirit. He would be an individual friend that was completely indwelt by the Spirit of God, and God was going to work through him and in spite of him. And it's a reminder to us, listen, that God sends those who have been in his presence. First, look at verse 6 in John 1 again. It says, there was a man sent from God. And friend, I'm telling you, listen to me. You're never going to be used in the day in which we're living unless you've not first been in the presence of God. Through the study of his word, 
on your knees in prayer. You've got, you must be born again. You have to be saved. But if you really want your life to make a kingdom impact, God cannot and God will not use an individual who constantly, every day, is not at his feet through the study of his word and then living out obediently. Friend, you're never closer to God than when you're being a doer of his word. And so God sent this man out who was in his presence constantly, filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. The Spirit was not just resident in his life, but he was president. And so this is the man. This is who God's going to work through, John the Baptist. Secondly, I want you to notice this morning now, his mission. Look what it was that God was calling him to do. Look in verse number 7, John chapter 1. This man came for a witness, to bear witness to the light that all through him might believe. John chapter 9, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And John was coming simply to point to Jesus. He was coming to be a witness of what Christ had done. Uh, continue to, to listen. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 16, uh, the Bible says of, of, of John that his mission would be to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Well, what had been going on for the past 400 years? Well, remember, after the Jews returned after the Babylonian exile in 586 B.C., through the ministries of Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, they rebuilt the temple, they reconstructed the wall, but then apathy and indifference began to mark the lives of the people again. Now, God broke them of Baal worship. That little trip to Babylon, it cured them. But the devil just turned to another front. Now, instead of worshiping false gods, they made a false religion as they began to twist God's word. And so for 400 years, the Judaic religious system began to develop. More don'ts than do's uh, marked. All of the stipulations, man-made things that they had added to God's word. And so you had the Pharisees and you had the Sadducees. And so here comes John the Baptist to point people back to the Lord, to turn away from religion and, and to turn back to the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 17 says, to make a people ready for the Lord. Now remember, Jesus was born just months after John the Baptist. He's already on the scene. He's, he's moving about. They've bumped into each other at family reunions. They've been around each other. They've grown up. They've developed. But now God's ready to work through them and to accomplish his ministry. And so here comes John and begins to call the people to repent. And it's to turn people to the Lord. He knew exactly what God had given him life to do, friend, and he did it. He, he knew what his mission was. He knew why he existed. And so many Christians just wander aimlessly in this world, and they waste the precious days that God has given. Father's Day reminds us of that, sadly for some. For some here today, your parents are still alive. I was sharing this morning, and my parents will listen to this later tonight if, if it's put on broadcast. Every time I see my parents, they look just a little older than the last time I saw them. We're aging. And so we only have precious days. Life, life is a vapor. We're here for a moment, and then we're gone. And so many Christians just waste the best days of their life, the best days of their children's life, chasing after things that have no eternal impact and no eternal value whatsoever. And the man and woman of God that God uses in their days and their generation, they truly understand from discipleship what it is that God's called them to do. They know once saved, they're called to live on mission. They begin to discover what their spiritual gift is, 
what their calling within the life of the church is. They're calling within the home, and they give themselves in the priority to those things first. John understood what it was. He knew it. He prioritized his life around it. And friend, listen to this. He did it. He fulfilled what it was that God had called him to do. Well, how did he fulfill the mission? Well, that's what third I want you to notice. That was, it's his message. The message that God preached through him. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 15. John fulfilled that mission. He bore witness of him and cried out. He didn't just have life... There's, there's a lot of people that believe in lifestyle evangelism. And certainly, listen, friend, if you don't live out the gospel, the gospel you share with your lips will have, will have little impact. Because you're just going to be, again, you're going to be... A, if, if, if you look up in Webster's Dictionary, number one excuse for people in the South why they won't get saved, see hypocrite, illustration one, and your picture's going to be there. You say one thing, but you, you do another. You see it in commercials. Now, I'm not really a doctor. I just play one on television. You ever seen a commercial that does that? Well, those are the people who say, well, I'm not really a Christian. I just play one on Sunday. And so you, you have to live it out, what, what you say you believe. Then you have, you have strength and you have a platform off of that to share. And, and John did that. He was living it out, but then he gave a verbal witness. Look at verse 15. He cried out saying, this was he. He's pointing people to Jesus, whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse number 19, the, the religious crowd, the cold water committee, they, they come investigating. Something's happening for God. And it'll happen in every church, every Sunday school class, anywhere that God begins to work, the devil's always going to have a crowd, one or two. They're always going to be there, and they're going to try to stamp out the fire of revival uh, whatever's happening. And so here come the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, to investigate. They come looking. Look at the Bible says, verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, you know, well, well who are you? And look in verse number 10. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Well, friend, by saying he was not the Christ, he was fixing to point people to Christ. That's who they thought that he was. Now remember, the Jews were looking for Messiah. They, they were waiting for a Redeemer. And boy, that was never more evident than on Palm Sunday as you look into the latter part of, of the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. You see when Christ comes in riding on a donkey, some, they are, it, the, the, listen, the, the streets are lined, everybody's happy, they've got their sign, they've got their palm branches, they're so excited. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus says, I didn't come to be, I didn't come to be your mayor. And I didn't, I didn't come to get you out from under Roman occupation. I came to be king of your heart. And on Palm Sunday, it was hail him. And then just a few days later, friend, it was nail him. He came into his own, the Bible says, and his own received him not. So John began to point people to him. He confessed and he didn't, he didn't deny. He says, I'm not he. He was pointing to people, to the, to the person who was. Verse number 21, well, they begin to ask about some significant uh, people. Because, again, Malachi had said, listen, I'm going to send you Elijah. Well, John was a type of Elijah. Uh, he came in the same spirit and the same powers the angel had prophesied. They asked him, verse 21, well, what then? Are you Elijah? You know, are, are, are you him? He says, no, I'm not, I'm not Elijah. Well, are, are, are you 
Are, are, you the, are you the prophet? Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 18, God had promised he was going to send a capital P prophet. And friend, Jesus was our prophet, our priest, and our soon-coming king. He was all three of those things. He says, no, I'm not the prophet. I'm a prophet, but I'm not the prophet. But the prophet is, is coming. He said, no. Look at verse number 22 of John 1. And they said to him, well, who are you then? that we may give an answer to those of us. You know, what do you say, uh, what, what do you say about yourself? He says, well, I'll, I'll tell you what I say. And, and Matthew chapter 3 starts giving some, some detail of what his message really was. He says, I'll tell you, I'm the one that God sent here to call you to repent. Now, this was to the face of religious people who were telling everybody else that they had the way to God. And God looked them in the face and says, you wouldn't know me if you met me in the road. The direction you're going is toward hell. The Bible says that there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end of its ways are death. So the book of Proverbs says. There's a way that seemeth right. And so they thought they were on the right path. But God sent John to begin to prepare them to see that their religious life being attached to the church, it did nothing for them. And they had to turn. Well, friend, listen, that just slapped them right in the face. Now their pride stirred up. Now he's told them that the direction they've chosen to go, the religion they've created, the only thing, place it's going to send them is straight to hell. And so he speaks right into the face of their lostness. And in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, he says, not only that, you need to confess your sins. Since we're, we're not sinners. We're, we're Pharisees. Man, we're keepers of the law. And God says, no, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. For all have sinned. And that's the message that he spoke, friend. It wasn't popular. It's not a message they wanted to hear then. And friend, I'll tell you, 2,000 years later, it's not a message people want to hear now. And that's why churches, they're, they're teaching, they're quote-unquote teaching pastors and those that sit weekly on their, their little stool in their skinny jeans and, and talk to the crowds that come. You, you rarely hear people talk about sin. Why? Because it doesn't build a crowd. But friend, it'll bring you to Jesus Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is to convict about sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. You'll never be saved until you first realize you're a sinner. That's why so many people in the South, friend, are going to die and go to hell because they've adopted, they've swallowed, they've been hooked by Satan. They are gut-hooked with the, with the doctrine of the good Baptist. Join the church. Be indoctrinated in the church. Follow along in the church. Have a Bible. Put a Jesus fish on the bumper of your car and everything's going to be fine. It's not. You must be born again. And John spoke to that. He spoke a message that people didn't want and they didn't want to hear. But, but he, he, he illustrated that message by baptizing people. Paul gave some color commentary to, to John's ministry. Remember when we preached through the book of Acts several months ago? Paul had just recently met Apollos. A Priscilla and Aquila had helped him more understand because he was a disciple of John the Baptist. But listen to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and following, what Paul had to say about the ministry of John the Baptist. He says, It happened while Apollos, who was a disciple of John the Baptist, was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. These were followers of Apollos because all Apollos knew was the baptism of John. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, friend, listen. 
One of the truths that we studied this morning in Sunday school is this. When you're born again, you are immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He is one of the assurances of salvation. You've got him until eternity. Where he goes, you go. And where you go, we're supposed to go. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not so much as even heard if there's a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, into what were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. John preached this message. He invited people to repent. And then he invited them to be baptized. It was a demonstration that they were turning from religion. They were, they were going to be washed from their sins when wholly they turned to the one who's about to come. We said, well, did John really tell them about Jesus? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse number 4, then Paul said to all these people, said they were baptized into John's baptism. Listen, Acts chapter 19, verse 4. John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. And then Luke writes, that is on Christ Jesus. That was his message. Repent and turn to Jesus Christ. He's going to come and he alone can save you. Turn from dead religion. If you're here this morning, you may have just come because it's Father's Day, just, just to make your dad happy, and you're here. And you may be here, and you've been a member of this church for years, but you've never really been saved. You need to understand, being a member of this church, being a member of another church, it will not pay for your sins. It will not make you right with God. The only thing religion does is take people to hell. John said to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a man who had forgotten more of the Old Testament than we'll probably ever know. You, Nicodemus, you, you religious individual, you must be born again. All of us have to turn from sin and receive Jesus to be Lord of our life. That's the only way to be saved. And so John was getting them ready. He was talking about repentance. He was causing them to stand and look around and say, Man, have you heard about this guy, John? Yeah, man, he preaches the same message every single... I've heard him 15 times now. Well, what's he, it's the same message every week. What's he, what is it? Repent, repent, repent. That's all he says. That's all he says. Well, what's repent mean? He keeps saying we've got to turn from dead religion to the one who's coming after. He's talk, he keeps talking about Messiah, Son of God, light of the world. We haven't seen him yet. He says he's among us. Uh, we keep looking, but he hasn't come yet. All I know, friend, is that God's been speaking to my heart, and I'm starting to feel like, well, this just Judaic religious system that we're doing, it's not right. And I've been convicted, and I'm, I'm a sinner. I even got baptized to, in, in demonstration that I want my sins to be washed away. And John keeps saying, just wait, just wait. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then, friend, one beautiful day as John was baptized, and he looked, and he saw this little figure begin to get closer, and his heart began to leap within him, just like when he first heard Jesus' mother's voice. And he says, there he is! Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus had come onto the scene. So that's the message. And that's what God calls us today, friend, to do. It's, 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 it's to point people to Jesus Christ. I can't save anyone. If you're here today and you say, I, I've never repented, I've never been saved, I can't save you. There's nobody in this church that can save you. But I want you to know this, friend, the one who can, he's here. He's walking up. Listen, he, he was here before you got here. He was here during Bible study. He's, he's been here during the song service. 
And friend, he wants to take you from where you are to cleanse you and to wash you and to do something with your life. But you better listen to me this morning. You've got to turn from dead religion, whatever it is. You've got to turn from it in saving faith and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. It's a choice you've got to make. So not only did he, did he, did he point people to Christ, but I want you to notice, I don't want to pass this without saying, the boldness, the boldness um, that, he, that he spoke with. Uh, Matthew chapter 3 really, really bears out some interesting things about his message. Uh, in, in verse number 7 of Matthew chapter 3, you know, you, you read books today about how to, to build a crowd and how to build your church. It's all about, you know, well, well don't say anything that's controversial because we don't want to run people off. Uh, don't, don't say anything that's going to be troublesome. People. Well, listen to how John began uh, his, his welcoming of guests. So John was baptizing, he was preaching, and he saw there were some visitors in the crowd. And they were Pharisees. And look at verse number, listen to verse number 7 of Matthew chapter 3. But when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he looked up to them and he said, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Well, that's a way to welcome guests, isn't it? I'll tell you something, friend. He was bold. He didn't waste time. He saw lost people, and he saw lost religious people, and God helped him to see, friend, listen, they were enemies of the church because they didn't care one single thing about seeing anybody get saved. They just didn't want anybody to leave their crowd because if they left their crowd, their checkbook went with them. That's all they cared about. And so John, John had boldness. Listen to what he continued to say in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 3. He says, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Listen, when someone says they repent, you better hear me this morning. Someone says, oh, I've trusted Jesus Christ. I've prayed the sinner's prayer. I repented and I trusted Jesus to be Lord of my life. Well, the Bible teaches here, friend, if that's the case, there'll be fruit to show that you have. The Bible says, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And don't think to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Verse 10, he says, And now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Israel had not produced. They had four hundred years to produce a godly generation. Listen, that's why God had led them out of Egypt. They were to be a kingdom of priests. They were to have families year after year, generation after generation, listen, until when in the fullness of time God would send His Son, Jesus Christ. And they had failed. They had so turned away from the Word of God. And John says, listen, God's fixing to lay the axe to your tree. You're not going to be anymore. And in A.D. 70, friend, he did. They were judged and they experienced God's judgment. He says, therefore, every tree which doesn't bear good fruit, it's cut down, thrown in the fire. He says in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me and is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. And if that didn't get riled enough, listen to this boldness. He says, and his winnowing fan is in his hand. John says, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. Now, that doesn't mean anything to most of the people here. But in the day when people grew wheat, you don't eat the stalk, you don't eat the chaff. You take the little kernel of wheat when it's dry, and that's what's ground into flour. Everything else, friend, is cast into the fire. 
And so there was a threshing floor where people would bring, you know, it's hay cutting season, everybody's putting up hay. Well, they would have wheat, wheat, cutting, wheat cutting season. And so they would cut hay, but then they would, their wheat, but then they would bring it to the threshing floor and they would shake the living daylights out of it. They'd shake a fire out of it. And so all the little kernels of wheat would fall down to the ground and then they'd throw over the chaff over here. Well, they had a winnowing fan. They had a big fan that they would come in their hand. And they would, like some of you, dear ladies, my wife, who's going through the changes of life, and you're constantly fanning one second, and then you're cold the next. Well, they had a big old fan. And they were winnowing the weed on the threshing floor. And they were, listen, the chaff was light. Don't miss this. The chaff that couldn't be eaten, it was light, and it would, it would fly away like dry grass. But the wheat was heavy and it would remain. Listen to what the Bible says. His winnowing fan is in. You need to hear this. His winnowing fan was in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat in the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with inquenchable fire. What was John telling the Pharisees? Every single one of you religious people are going to die and you're going to burn in hell if you don't turn and receive Jesus Christ. That's what he told them. And friend, that was boldness. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't receive that. They hated him for that. He was not popular. If he had had social media, he, would, he wouldn't have had a bunch of likes. Only people who were of like mind would have appreciated him. But the world hated him, but he didn't care. He was unflinching. He was unflinching in what he said. Uh, he, his life was marked by humility. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 30 he says, look, my crowd's got to decrease. Jesus' has to increase. When, when Jesus came on the scene, John started having less of a crowd. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 36, he spoke with clarity. I must run. But he was, he was unflinching. Uh, at that time, King Herod had married his brother Philip's wife. Her name was Herodias. Well, this was contrary to the Word of God. And John spoke right to the king's face and says, you're living in sin because you're uncovering the nakedness of your brother's wife, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, verse 21, forbids this. And Herodias hated him for it, but Herod was scared to death to kill him because of the crowd. And that didn't mean anything to him, friend. He was unflinching. Friend, listen, that's the kind of godly man we need in the world today. Men who, listen, listen will stand up and let their life count in, in, in this generation, will speak truth into the face of darkness, and be unflinching. No, they don't care what anybody else thinks about them. They don't care if they offend a family member. They don't care if they offend their neighbor. They're not trying to. They speak the truth in love. And that's what John did, and that's why God used him mightily. We need people whose lives are marked by that kind of message today that will share the gospel in love, but speak bold truth. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. There's no other way given unto men whereby you must be saved but through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see the message. Fifth, I want you to notice the misery. John had it. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 17. Something happened. John was put up in prison after he spoke truth. Now remember, he, he told King Herod, hey, you're living in sin. You, you've taken your brother Philip's wife and the Bible forbids that. And so he boldly spoke that. And now the Bible says he's been placed in prison. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 17 says, For Herod himself had sinned and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, 
his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. And the Bible forbade that. Well, now don't miss this. John's serving God. He's honoring the Lord. He's both, he is dead in the center of God's will, and now he's in prison. Well, that kind of takes the wheels off the prosperity gospel, name it and claim it, uh, that all the Pentecostals are preaching today, doesn't it? That once you get saved, I mean, you're just going to be blessed, blessed, blessed. That's not what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33, says that through much tribulation, friend, we're going to face in life. There's challenges. There's hardship. There's, there's difficulty. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, because in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He says, I've overcome the world. And John was of no exception. And listen to me this morning, friend. You better hear this. Neither are you. And neither am I. Hardship, challenge, and difficulty can come into our lives at any time. But praise God, friend, listen. When we're in God's will, nothing can come into our life that doesn't pass through His hands first. Nothing. God has a purpose. God has a challenge. God has, but, but this led John to a time of doubting in darkness. He's, he's been serving the Lord. He, he pointed all those people. He, he was faithful to speak. He was faithful to live out. But now he's in prison. And so he begins to doubt. Is, is Jesus really the Son of God? Listen to what Luke chapter 7, verse 18 says. He wasn't doubting the truth of who he was, but he was doubting the time schedule. Why have you not already established the kingdom? Why, why am I in prison? Then John's disciple, then the disciples of John reported, Luke chapter 7, verse 18, reported things to him concerning the kingdom, and John calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus. Now listen, they sent them to Jesus to say, this is what John wanted to know of Jesus. Are you the coming one, or do we need to look for another? What John was saying is this, why haven't you already fixed things? Why is Herod doing this to me? And when the men had come, they said to John the Baptist, sent to us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now listen to what the Bible says. And that very hour, Jesus cured many of infirmities, many afflictions, evil spirits, and many blind he gave sight. And Jesus turned and answered John's disciples and said this. Now listen. Go and tell John the things that you have seen and that you have heard that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel being preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What was he saying? Blessed is he who's not offended in how I run my business. Friend, listen, God's not on our time schedule. We're on his John had to learn and be reminded friend, that there's misery that will come into our lives at times. There's hardship. There's difficulties. He had to be reminded that there's a father of Christ. We're on his time schedule, but I love this. He didn't rebuke him. And friend, I'm so thankful when we come to God in broken humility, when challenges and hardships come into our life and say, Oh God, I don't understand why this is happening. Lord, what is it you're trying to teach me in this? God, James 1 says to count it all joy when you fall into to various testings. And God, I'm struggling to find joy in this right now. What is, I'm so thankful, friend, that God doesn't rebuke us in that moment. But he speaks peace that passes all understanding, friend. 
that can lift us from that place of doubting and that place of sorrow to the heights of joy that can only be known through his great salvation. And John was able, John was able to experience that. He only gave a gentle reminder, friend, of who was in charge. Listen to me. Gas is $4 a gallon. Your energy bill is higher than it's ever been. If you're watching your finances, you're paying twice as much for things as you were last year. You wonder, how, how's it? I'm reading reports more and more. Seniors are having to dip into their, their savings, their retirement. They're not sure if it's going to make it to the end. You wonder, Why are all these things happening? Friend, I don't know, but I know this, friend. There's one who sits on the throne in heaven. His name is Almighty God, and he loves us. While we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love in sending Christ to die for our sins. And we need to be reminded, friend, listen, that he's got it all under control. He's never been late. He's never been early. He's always right on time. And we need to be reminded in these dark days broadly, but you may be going something through specifically alone today. Hardship or challenging your family, I don't know what it is, but you need to be reminded, friend, listen, we're on God's timetable. He's not on ours. He's in charge. And John, John was reminded of this. He forgot for just a moment. There will be seasons of challenge in our lives. We're not on God's schedule. Friend, we're on God's schedule. He's not on ours. Six, notice very quickly, the martyrdom. We saw the misery, but now notice the martyrdom. Matthew chapter 14, verses 8 through 12 uh, began to speak this way. So she having been prompted, this is the daughter of Herodias. She's, they're all having a big party now, Herod and all of his friends, and Herodias' daughter begins to dance, and they're, they're all just amazed, and they're all excited about watching her dance. And so John, the, Herod turned to Herodias' daughter and says, hey, his stepdaughter says, whatever you want me to give up to half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. And her mother went to her and says, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Listen to what the Bible says. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head on the platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And the head of John was brought on a platter and given to the girl who she brought to her mother. But listen to verse 12. And then the disciples came, took his body, and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. John was martyred. Uh, for the faith. He was martyred because of the, 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 the hardship and the hatred of Herod for the word of God. John didn't speak anything that wasn't true. Friend, listen, he was beheaded for speaking truth. Friend, I'm telling you, we're, we're living in a day where, where it's more hostile to stand for the Lord. You're going to experience that in the workplace. You're going to experience that in your families. But you've got to make a decision, friend, who is king of your life. And John had settled it years ago. And he, he was ready to die. Listen to what Jesus said about being a disciple. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, listen. He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Friend, listen. John died a long time before his head was cut off of him. Now, when they cut his head off, he died physically. But John had died to John years ago. The reason that John could serve God so fully and with such impact is because years ago, he made the decision that John wasn't going to exist anymore. 
It's what Jesus is talking about here in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, you can't be my disciple until you die. You've got to crucify yourself. And Jesus says, daily, not just in the moment of emotion, but every day you've got to get on the cross and say, Lord, my life is yours, my family is yours, my body is yours, my time schedule is yours. Everything that I have, oh God, belongs to you. And friend, then you're ready to be used by God to accomplish something. You'll never be used by God. Friend. You'll never experience the power of God on your life until you die to King's self. It's a choice you have to make. So yeah, John's head was taken. But friend, listen. The devil probably laughs and says, well, we've shut him up. Friend, listen. Went straight into the presence of Christ. But boy, what the truth. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Cain tried to shut up Abel, but the author of Hebrews says, but yet his sacrifice still speaks. They took his head, friend, but they couldn't silence his words. We read them today. The message went on. Friend, listen, you can't shut up the gospel. It's going to be shared. But the reason God used him, friend, you'll you'll never be used of God, and Christ will never live his... Listen, you don't need to live for Jesus Christ. Listen to me fully this morning. Don't take that out in the soundbite. You need to try to stop living for Christ. Die to self and let Christ live through you. That's the difference. So many people are trying to accomplish something in the flesh. Stop doing that. Let Christ live His life through you. When you internalize the Word and you're a doer of the Word, then Jesus lives in you and through you. And that's the kind of men that we need in this world. The martyrdom, last notice, the mark. The mark of John's life on the world. Luke chapter 7, verses 29 through 30 says this. And when all the, now, John is, John is, John is, the messengers have come to ask about Jesus. And Jesus speaks that word in verse number 23 of Luke 7. It says, you know, blessed is he who's not offended. My but then Jesus turns to the crowd and begins to speak some truths about John, to share something. But he summed it up in verse number 28. Everybody stood around, the Pharisees were like, huh, well, John got put in his place. I guess he fell. I guess he really wasn't all in. But listen to what Jesus said. He said, for I say to you, Among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. He said, man, listen, he was all in. Friend, listen to me. Listen, you need to hear this. It doesn't matter what your boss says about you. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says about you, ultimately. It doesn't matter what your family your mom, your dad has to say about you ultimately. What ultimately matters is as a child of God what Jesus Christ says about you when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Because everybody else who's rightly related to God, they'll say the same thing about you if Jesus says it. That's what matters. So many people in this world just run around aimlessly trying to please everybody. Stop your, listen, if you please Christ, I promise you, everybody else isn't going to be happy. But come to a place that you only want Christ to be pleased. What a mark that he left. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Paul says, I beseech you by the tender mercies of God that you present your lives a living sacrifice. What Paul is saying is this, listen, you can't serve God until you die to self. With discipline and dedication, those, those meat hooks, those provisions given to the, to the Levites, you've got to stay on that slippery offer, altar every single day. You've got to die to you. Then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, your life will speak. Friend, listen, you'll leave a mark. 
Abel died, but he left a mark, friend. He left a mark. John's life left a mark. The the Bible begins to share things that that Jesus did, and it's a good question to ask this morning. Dads, it's a real good question for you this morning, since we're here on Father's Day. What, What will the sacrifice of my life speak when I'm dead and gone? John's life marked spoke something. It was a mark that he left. What is the sum testimony of my life going to say? How's it going to mark my children? How's it going to mark those that are, are around me? Luke chapter 7, verse number 28, Jesus said, there's, there's none greater. What, what are people going to say about you? What are people going to say about you in your last days after you're gone? Well, what do we do with all of this this morning? Number one, you know, if you've been saved, get on the altar and stay on the altar. This, this world, our church, every church, needs godly men like John the Baptist. I mean, listen, who will stop chasing the world one second and chase... Listen, not, not a discipleship of total consecration... That, that, I mean, that's the one we need to see. The one that's marking the world today is a, is, a, is a discipleship of total convenience. When it's convenient for me, I'll serve God. But I've got X, Y, and Z that I'm going to accomplish. That's not the kind of life John lived. That's not, that's not, he didn't leave an impact because of that. He was all in. Will you not be today? If you've never been saved, I want you to listen to me. Jesus said it. John spoke it here. If you've never turned from your sin and trusted Christ, friend, you're going to wake one day in a place called hell. I don't care how Baptist you've been, how good you've tried to be, how long from a line of godly people you come from, you must be born again. And I invite you to turn and trust Jesus today to be Lord of your life. This same Jesus that John pointed to, listen, let continue to live just a sinless life, Three and a half more years. One day, walked up to a place called Calvary. Died on the old rugged cross because that's where you should die. They took him off the cross. They placed him in a tomb. By the power of the Holy Spirit, friend, listen, he was raised from the dead. He sits in heaven today. He's praying right now for you that you'll turn from dead religion, turn from your sin, and you'll receive him to be holy Lord of your life. Won't you do that? I want to give you that opportunity right now. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If the Spirit of God is convicting you that you're lost and you need to be saved, won't you trust Him right now? He loves you. He died for you. And He wants to save you. But you must turn and receive Him. It's a simple, friend, it's praying a prayer just like I'm going to pray here in a moment. But you're voicing to him your heart's desire to be forgiven from your sin, to turn from a life of sin, and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. Won't you tell him that right now? Silently where you sit, pray just like this. God, forgive me of a sinner. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. I believe that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. I don't want the life that I've been living. I trust you today to be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Save me from my sin. 
Now, if you prayed that this morning, won't you continue to pray this? God, thank you for saving me. Now, God, help me to not be ashamed of you. Help me to tell others what you've done. To begin to live for you as you make me into the man or woman that you want me to be, just like you did, John. In just a moment, we're going to stand at our feet. They're going to sing. Our heads are going to be bowed. Our eyes are going to be closed. No one will be looking around. If you prayed that prayer and you've trusted Christ, won't you come to the front so I can encourage you on what God wants to do next in your life? You realize this morning, friend, there are some things in your life that are out of line that you saw of how God used John. As a dad, a mom, whoever you are today, where you sit, if the Spirit of God is convicting you that there are things in your life that are out of line, won't you lay your life fresh and anew at His feet and leave this place today fully consecrated to Christ's Lordship? As He speaks to you and challenges you today, won't you do that? Will God speak to your church? challenge us. God, thank you for godly examples like this. Lord Jesus, you're number one, and we can't wait to see you in heaven, to thank you for what you've done for us, and sing your praises for all eternity. But God, as members of your family, we can't, meet to, we can't wait to meet other members of the family, just like John. What a joy that's going to be to be able to meet him. Thank you for recording in your word a life of faithfulness. God, I pray that our lives will be marked by that same commitment and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, God, have your way during this invitation. Be honored and glorified through it all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's reverently stand our feet.